With us today is Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. This is Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. You can find some of these strategies at lahlife, L-A-H-life.com. Hi, Lisa. Hey. All right. You're, you're traveling? Uh, we're traveling. Okay. I'm actually getting ready to travel, which is what made me really ponder and think and and sort of formulate some ideas about travel. I'm doing some business travel, so it's not exactly that I'm going on a, like a pleasure trip to Honolulu, but um, it just got me thinking. And it got me thinking about some clients of mine who are stuck in a rut. I have two separate clients who I've been watching who really are stuck in a rut. And the other day, one of them was saying to me, they were complaining that, you know, I'm always talking about rituals and practices, and the problem with their life is that they've got too many of them. And I thought about that after our session, and I thought, you know, I don't think so. I think that they have some really good rituals in place, but notwithstanding rituals, you have to get out of yourself. You have to get out of your rituals sometimes. You have to move out of them so that you can appreciate the stability of them. But so, can I just interject for one second? Because I, I, I have noticed that, in fact, people tend to ascribe some of their um, uh, discontent to their rituals, and it's not, and it's a misattribution of sorts. I just wanted to throw that in there. Well, I think, you know, there's several kinds of rituals. There are habits which may or may not be good for us. And then there are deliberate rituals, like I talk, the ones I talk about all the time, which is getting yourself in sync with the rhythms of nature and getting a rhythm going. So when I talk about rituals, I'm really talking more about rhythm than I am about some really rigid sense of what rituals are. So that's just a distinction there. But that distinction is useful. It's more than semantic because all I'm really asking people to do is to establish rhythm in their lives so that their animal nature, animals love rhythm. They like to, they respond to the moon, to the sun, to the sequence of days, the sequence of seasons. That's just what we do. That's what we do on a visceral level before we start thinking about stuff and before we add, you know, the comforts of modern life, like heat and electricity to sort of fool around with those patterns. But we definitely enjoy those patterns. I was listening to somebody on the radio the other day, actually, talk about how they just didn't, they didn't have time for jet lag. They didn't believe in jet lag. Jet lag doesn't exist. And I was just like, what are they talking about? Jet lag is nothing more than when you're out of sync with the natural rhythms that your body expects. It's circadian rhythms. They're real. They're, you, you, your body is in sync whether you like it or not on some level with the, na the natural progression of things. And when you, go, when you deviate from that, several levels of things can happen. Some are worse than others. You know, the, the worst thing is you get sick, right? The, the, the best thing, and this is the good part about travel, is sometimes if you knock yourself out of your pattern, lots of good things can come to light. I think it was um, Lawrence Durrell, one of my favorite writers when I was young, like a you know teenager, um, who said, I'm going to mash this up, but he said something like travel can be one of the most rewarding forms of introspection. And I, I think that's absolutely true. When you are outside of yourself, when you're outside of that famous comfort zone and your natural which is to do with your natural rhythms you you naturally introspect you look inward for like stability to, to figure out where you are and what's real to you 
So I love that concept um, of a way of thinking about travel. And so even while I'm getting ready, for example, for this trip, which is you know sort of annoying on some levels because <laughs> I've got lots going on and I'm leaving behind a list of things to do, uh, which is stressful in itself. Um, but we'll talk about that. But I'm looking forward to it only because I'm just looking forward to the unknown of it, to the, what am I going to see? What am I going to smell? What's going to be different? Maybe I'll get an idea for a, a new rhythmic ritual that will come to me because I'm going to be in a different culture. So all that kind of eyes open, childlike expectation about the world is really, really good for the soul. It's good for your sort of spirit. And if you don't do that, I, I have a couple of older clients that I can think of off the top of my head who have started that process of not wanting to travel. It's difficult. They, they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. They, they might get sick. You know, that kind of delicacy that comes with older age. And I'm talking about people in their 70s and early 80s. Right. And, you know, I, I, another interjection. I'm sorry, for better or for worse. Please. It's really important to balance off travel. I, I, I have people who travel who, who who manage to not get the benefits of travel because they are simply uh, <laughs> transporting their – it's transposing. They are transposing either their, no pun intended, baggage or their problem to a different environment. And it can knock the socks off any beneficial aspect of it. And That's true. Then there are people who travel when they want to just be home decompressing. And that's enough. Oh, that's a different thing. That's those are people rushing around just to rush around, and I. That's a whole nother story. I understand, but I just think uh -huh. that it's fair that you know we're we're, we're being broad spectrum here. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, there are some people who just can't stop and they race around, and that's not the travel I'm talking about. I am talking about the eyes wide open, childlike anticipation of new things. Uh, kind of travel. And that's why I raised the issue that you could do that kind of travel in the context of business even. It's, it's a mental state. It's a kind of a state of mind idea. I mean, listen, you could also take that state of mind and just put it on the subway. Um, you know, and that could be your travel experience, just taking yourself out of where you normally are. And so when people are feeling anxious where they are and they get more and more inclined to stay where they are because they're anxious, my feeling is bust out of that, you know, break that cycle of angst and, and anxiety by getting out of it, right? So I, I really started about thinking about this, mostly about the anxiety piece. Like, I, I just think sometimes people are anxious because there's not a, enough specialty input or special input into their world. Um, so it's, it's, you know, you got to look at each person and you got to see what's going on. But too stagnant is a recipe for stress because it feels boring and it feels dull. And that in Ayurveda we call tamasic energy. Tam tamas is the state of dullness and sedentary and sort of stuck in the mud and stuck in the muck. And you've got to fight that tamasic sensibility in order to, to feel light and feel good. Um, some people do too much rushing around. That we call the rajasic energy, you know, racing around. Da, 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 I'm going to here, I'm going to go there. And they are equally often anxious because they're flighty and they're racing around. The middle ground that 
peaceful, lovely place where your eyes are, as I keep saying, your eyes are open, you can have this childlike anticipation is sort of in that territory of what we call sattva, sattvic, pure, real, you're, you're experiencing the world. Um, so that's what I'm getting at, you know, sort of move not towards frenetic um, racing around, but towards some sense of really just exploring what's out there for you in the world. And as I said, you know, and, and when I was thinking about it, to, to write something about this on my blog, I started thinking, you know, when I was a kid, I, if I couldn't sleep at night, this is just a really small example, if I couldn't sleep, I used to take my pillow and put it at the foot of my bed where, you know, it's nice and cool, like it hadn't been heated up by my body, and it was like a different perspective. I would just shift the whole thing around, and almost invariably, I would go right to sleep. And I was never like that because it always just, I was like, oh, I'm upside down. Oh, it bothers me. But what <laughs> but I will. Because we're different. But for me, switching it up in that way um, was perfect. But can I, uh, yet another interjection from the peanut mm -hmm. gallery here. Please. I love my peanut gallery. Because I did this yesterday. And if you are in a city, it doesn't matter where you are. If you, it's very easy to a lot 10 minutes or five minutes or even three minutes to observation of your environment, which can slow the frenetic. I happened to be in the city yesterday, and you know that church that's been on the corner of 79th and Broadway, and it's been there. It's round, and there's the kiosk, the, the, the news kiosk that's always there. And it has, this church has been there since 1745. Now, all you have to do is stop for a second. So I was standing there going, wow, 1745. But it was enough to get me out of my um, routine, if you will. And I'm only interjecting to say that you don't necessarily have to go far. You might be able to just go look at a beautiful view if That's you happen. That's my point. So travel, like what is travel? Well, travel, you could, it could be literally you could go to China and just get as switched out or Bhutan or someplace that is just sort of the opposite of the way we live, how we live, why we do the things we do and really go outside. Or you could, you know, walk down Fifth Avenue and really pay attention to what's going on around you or, or walk like Thoreau-like in the country and really listen and pay attention to the sound of the stream and the sounds of the animals and, and the, the crunching of the, the leaves. And, you know, all of those things count as travel in a sense or in the sense we are talking about. I, you know, that's, that's an elegant way to look at it. I, I'm really talking about for the most part, the more extreme version of travel, meaning you really get on a plane or a train or a bus and switch out your cultural expectations and, and all of that. But yeah, I mean, it, it works on the small scale too. And part of understanding what your natural rhythmic comfort zone is, is getting out of it so you can see what feels right to you when you get back to it. And that is a concept, another one of my favorite quotes about travel, <laughs> which comes from T.S. Eliot, which, of course, I'm going to mash this one up too, but, you know, he says, we won't cease exploration because at the end of all our exploring, we will arrive where we started and know that place for the first time. So um, that's the, 
the key, right? You could get out as far as you can go to China or you can go down the street. And if you really have gotten outside of yourself and taken sort of a break from your natural rhythm, then you will return and see where you are as if for the first time. When you see a place and know a place for the first time, you're really appreciating all the details of it, right? Absolutely. So, one thing that I do think about a lot with travel is, okay, there's a sort of brass tacks to travel. You know, it's not just all this esoteric stuff. So beyond the esoteric, you have to think about, okay, well, it is true that you, there is a such thing as jet lag. <laughs> no, really? Right. I've heard that it doesn't exist. Um, there are uh, issues of digestion that come up. Um, so you have to deal with the practical implications. And a lot of times, like when I'm talking to some of my older clients who, as I say, get a little stuck, I try, if I like prepare them, I did this once actually with a client, I prepared them with a very good travel kit um, so that they could combat some of those things. And I have to admit that the travel kit for that person included some Ativan because one of the things was they were like literally nervous about getting on a plane. So we fixed that with the, the breathing wasn't going to do it for that for them. But, you know, it was things like um, I have an elixir that I particularly like. It's a combination of herbs that's in a, a liquid form that uh, just helps improve your digestion. And there's um, and that, that formula also will help you sleep better, help you get a little more quickly onto your, your circadian rhythms back in order. Um, and then there's just plain old trefilla, which I talk about a lot, which is just a really good digestive tonic um so things like that to keep your digestion going so that you don't get there and then you're in your hotel room being miserable because you you know haven't had proper bathroom habits for days you know things like that so you do want to prepare in a practical way so that you can get some of the esoteric benefits now i digressed and you've probably forgotten what you were going to ask me right no actually i wanted to talk about or ask you about uh, uh contemplation or, or, or any time spent uh, and and how you encourage just a little bit of contemplative time with people who are now so connected. There's a whole hyper connectivity, and it's almost, you know, with animals when they haven't eaten for a while or they've lost weight, you have to bring them back slowly. You can't just give them huge tubs of food. Right. <laughs> Well, yes, and the reason I mention this with animals is because you'd be astounded at how humans treat themselves. I haven't eaten. I haven't eaten. So you know, well, uh, you, that's you, a whole other conversation. We've got we've got twenty whole other conversations. But talk about stress, right? I mean, that is the ultimate stress on your body is not feeding yourself properly. And you know what? Put a pin in that one. We will have a whole conversation about proper. Care and nurturing, right. Yes, of yourself. You can remind me of that and we'll make it the next show on that. But um, but building in, in, in contemplative time or even um, uh, de slowing, slowing the whole system down quickly enough, even if it's in your car, you do sometimes alternate uh, nostril breathing or something that can just slow it back so that you can even take a moment to contemplate or appreciate or go, hey, I need to take a trip. Yes. Well, a lot of it has to do with being, yes, you were quite right, in a place where you can even see beyond the tip of your nose 
and say, oh, a trip would be a good idea. Let me get out of here. Um, I might posit that people should think to themselves that at least once a year, <laughs> like they should do a, a, a cleanse once a year for their body. And I don't mean a wacky detox thing with juices for 12 days. I mean, just at least once a year, if not seasonally, if not once a month, take a day when you clean out your system, you know, really just take a day to have soup. Just let your, your system relax a little bit. So the same is true in every respect. And a, and a holiday, more than travel, but sort of the more holiday concept, really does give you that. And it gives you perspective, which is why that Lawrence Durrell quote about it's the most rewarding form of introspection, because it gives you perspective. And perspective allows you to then look inside and say, hmm, what do I need to be doing that would be better than what I am doing? You cannot see that when you're sitting in the middle of it. So travel and getting outside and moving around makes a really big difference. And I noticed this thing even in myself, not even, but in myself, where I just feel like stu I get stuck. I feel like, oh, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to take that trip. You know, a trip will present itself and I go, oh, I'm not going to do that because it's too much trouble to organize and it just feels like it's so far. And then I invariably sit on the plane, even an eight or nine hour plane trip and go, oh, this isn't so bad. The, the thing to get there, it's, it's fine. It's part of the thing, you know. It's sort of interesting to watch how people react 30,000 feet up in the air and you know you just you got to take the trip and and not get stuck in this sort of as I said tamasic sedentary like someone's holding you down like tethered like balloons just let yourself go every once in a while because then you come back and you just see things differently and things that look terrible don't look so terrible and some things that look good don't look so good anymore either and so you may make a shift in those. But I think it's just very, very healthy and very stress relieving because stress is cumulative for sure, for sure. So, you know, because we frequently sublimate some of the, the effects and the actual realities of stress because we can't deal with them and because they are getting in the way. So you just kind of shove them down. But when you go away, you can kind of clear the cobwebs out. And that is helpful. It's really helpful. I've, I've had this phenomenon myself where I, I leave and I think, oh my gosh, I'm leaving so many things behind. I've got to do so much. And I, I try and leave myself a note on my desk. So when I get back, I don't forget to do the 12 things that I have to do. And I almost invariably get back and look at that list and go, well, eight of those 12 are I don't need to do, <laughs> you know, I mean, you just, you get so in it that you lose perspective. So it's travel is first and foremost, a matter of perspective, perspective on who you are in relation to the world, who the world is in relation to you, what's important, what's not all those good things. Plus, if you're going on a travel trip that takes you away from loved ones, which can be very anxiety provoking, especially when they're children or dogs you're leaving behind you get back and you realize, huh, they've made some shifts too. It's been good for people to be separate and to, you know, break those, those A patterns, but be sort of interconnected, interdependent tendencies that we have. And then you come back together and it's like, oh, a new appreciation, a real, and a sense of joy. I mean, my gosh, when I take those dogs to the vet and they think they've been gone nine years and they see me and they're so excited, that is just really exciting and uplifting and just changes the way I feel. It gives me a spark of energy I didn't have. And it's all because we took a break from each other. So 
you know, there's all kinds of aspects to this, but I can't see very many of them that are bad. And or particularly bad. So how did your how did your two clients react? Which we've talked about several pairs of twos. I'm sorry, the the very beginning ones that got you thinking about travel and uh, switching. It, it, oh, not switching oh, up, but well, you know, one of them quite predictably was like, "Oh my God, I don't have time for that," and I have already taken all the vacation I can take, and I've got too much to do. And so my plan for next session there is to really talk, tease that out, okay. to talk about just what I just said to you. If you make the list and you come back a week later, that list may not look so pressing, and it may not be. You may not be the center of the universe you think you are. You know, <laughs> if you go away, the world will not fall apart. In fact, the world we may find ways, really efficient ways to function without you. So I, um, that would be my strategy there in that particular case. The other, I think, is going to go. Uh, it, it was a long planned trip and whatever. But, um, you know, it's just interesting to, to, to get people to... Um, just look at things with different perspective and travel is the best way I know to do that. Uh, as I said, I mean, you can even go, you know, three towns down, <laughs> yeah. have your coffee in a different coffee shop and you, you'll, you'll get some different perspective, but only if you're looking for it, you know, there's also ways to travel and stay in the four seasons hotel in every city and you'd never know you were in a different city. Same amenities, same, uh, you know, fabulous. <laughs> but same luxury yes but same and so if you're staying at exactly the same level everywhere you travel or people you know that travel on their very luxurious boats in various countries where they hardly get off the boat and their chef cooks for them that kind of you know elite really you know right. uber elite thing but it's a it's a funny example of that you know i was i was struck by i was watching uh, I saw pictures in the paper of um beyonce and her husband in paris and they were, you know, the pictures were all, look, they're really enjoying Paris. And they were taking pictures of this and that. And then they were in the Louvre. And I could see, that there had been a picture in the paper of the Louvre, of the, of the Mona Lisa about four or five days ago in the paper for a different reason. With, yes, and there with were all those throngs, throngs, of, people, throngs right? of people. And they were, they were taking pictures of it with their iPhones. You yeah. saw that? <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's why you can't go to the Louvre and see the Mona Lisa. And then there was this picture of Beyonce and her husband standing in front of the Mona Lisa. There's not a soul around because clearly they gave them a private audience of the Mona Lisa. And I thought, you know, the problem with the private audience is, yes, you see the Mona Lisa, but you miss the experience of the Louvre. Of jostling. <laughs> so both, yeah, both are good. I mean, I'd kind of like to see the Mona Lisa without all those crowds too. But, you know, if you live in a bubble, your bubble is all about you and then you really can't get out of it. And that can be very stressful because no matter how narcissistic you are and no matter how sure you are that you're the best person and that you've got it all going on, it's good to see the other side and see other people and see what's going on. So, and you get good ideas, you know, creativity comes from that. Ideas about how to live and do and maybe have some a little more excitement in your life. Ideas come from travel. Yeah, so, so, does, so is, there's, there's a lot of visual um, input that's available from travel. It's, but it's visual and it's spiritual yeah. and it's emotional. So it's all of those things, as long as you're open to it. But that's why I raised this final point that, you know, there's plenty of people who they travel all the time, but they are totally not open to any kind of real experience with that. So 
right they they're going from they're going from place to place um which is wonderful but it it, it it's it, it's not precisely what you are talking about here right exactamente so that's my travel travel tips from lisa just okay. do it all right oh thank you very much uh lisa headley Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa, Lisa Headley's Strategies for Dealing with Stress, La Life, L-A-H, life.com on the web. Thank you.